92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess, for elite athletes only, right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Welcome to Big Blend Radio with your hosts, Lisa and Nancy, editors of BigBlendMagazine.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Big Blend Radio's Books, Authors, and Writers Show. Every second Wednesday, you know, it's Writers Wednesday. Uh, we do this show with our friends over at Books Forward, an awesome, awesome organization. Check them out at booksforward.com. And of course, we're your hosts, Nancy and Lisa, you know, the crazy mother-daughter travel team pub- traveling across the country, documenting parks and public lands while we produce a digital magazines all under the Big Blend name. And today we're excited uh, to welcome Jeff Seitzer. His, his new memoir is coming out. It is uh, coming out August 16th, 2022 through Sparks Press. And it's called The Fun Master, A Father's Journey of Love, Loss, and Learning to Live One Day at a Time. It's very compassionate, thought-provoking, mm-hmm. uh, touching, you, you need to just go get it. So go to jeffreyseitzer.com. That's S-E-I-T-Z-E-R, uh, jeffreyseitzer.com. And did I even pronounce your, na- your last name right, Jeff? How are you? <laughs> Great. <laughs> you yeah. never know. You, you think you know it, and then all of a sudden you're like, whoopsie. <laughs> Seven very difficult letters, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but hey, it could be Smith like mine. And you know what? It's just, yeah, stick with yours. <laughs> it's got some interest in it. Yeah. Well, you're based in Chicago, and mm-hmm. um, but originally from Nebraska, right? That's right. I grew up in Nebraska, yeah, in mm-hmm. Omaha. In wow. Omaha. So, how do you like Chicago? You know, I really love Chicago. Um, you know, cool. I, I lived here as a kid for a couple of years, um, and so it seemed a little bit like home when we came back. And mm-hmm. I grew up in a neighborhood very much like the one I live in now. I used to joke with my wife that. People are like Sam and they tend to go back to where they came from. Like if you're from the suburbs, they end up in the suburbs again. And she said, well, this is a lot like where you grew up in Omaha. She's right. You know, Mm. so it felt like home for me, but I kind of like the scale of it. It's a world-class city, which is very livable. You know, we ride our bikes everywhere and there's great transportation and the lakefront. Um, It's very exciting, but kind of like has a a smaller pace than something like New York, for example, Manhattan. Mm. Right. So we love it here. It's really great. You've got great architecture mm-hmm. too. Yeah, it's really beautiful. My wife was on an architecture tour last night, actually. Yeah. So. Oh, cool. Yeah. Very cool. Very, Very cool. cool. One of our travel writers, Debbie Stone, she comes from there and has, okay. you know, been doing stories on the architecture, doing that tour that goes out by boat and then um, uh-huh. yeah. botanical gardens. But um, with your book, you know, Nancy and I, as soon as we started reading it, it I, you always say there's that saying, you want to be a fly on the wall. But I always think about being a fly in someone's brain, you know, so you can get their thoughts. And I think your book, as soon as you start reading it, Mm -hmm. we connect with you immediately. And what's going on in your mind, those thoughts, especially Mm -hmm. as a parent. Mm -hmm. And the first chapter obviously deals with something very difficult, uh, the passing of your son. Mm -hmm. Tell us about how you, I mean, to even write the book, what led you to go, okay, I'm going to write this story. 
Yeah, well, as recounted in that first chapter, you know, I was kind of drowning with him. Um, and mm -hmm. uh, I survived somehow, miraculously. And my last thought was I won't be able to tell his story, which was a peculiar thought in many ways. But one uh, in particular is that I wasn't planning on telling his story. Uh, mm -hmm. I did happen to have 4,000 pages of notes because my mother-in-law used to share laughs with her about parenting. And uh, she suggested I keep a journal. And at first I thought I would write stories because it used to be newspapers. You could publish little personal essays. It used to be more common, but he didn't like to be the center of attention. So I put that idea aside, but I kept keeping the notebook uh, partly because, uh, well, mainly to remember things and have detailed memories of them, but also because it gave me something to do. <laughs> like at the mm -hmm. playground, I tended to be the only guy in the playground and surrounded by women. Right. So I would oh, have that's something That's got to be difficult because they're yeah. like, well, yeah, it's yeah. like being a nude beach. What do you do with your eyes? I mean, no one's making eye contact. <laughs> you know? so it's like I needed something to do, you know, so I could keep these notes. And, and so then he died. And, um, you know, it just seemed like the right thing to do. I kind of like, uh, you know, I had, I, and particularly because he was a kind of a special sort of kid, I'd gotten to know all these kids with special challenges. Like he had uh -huh. hearing loss and had trouble breathing sometimes and, and swallowing. And I spent a lot of time at the hospital with various mm -hmm. kids with different conditions. And I was so impressed with their zest for life. I mean, they were so yeah. determined to get everything out of life and they didn't feel at all self-conscious. You know, they were not, they didn't feel limited or bitter. And I was so impressed by that. I thought I should try and convey that to people. Um, mm. I tell you them definitely this. do. It's you valuable. I think it's going to help a lot of people who are going to have to go through the same process, mm -hmm. you know, I, because, I mean, I know my dad was as far as I can remember my whole childhood, he was terminally ill. Mm -hmm. We spent hours and hours and hours in and out of the hospital. And it's a whole different way of living. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't really, you kind of, at least for me, I always felt like you're not in charge of anything. Mm -hmm. You know, you just sit and wait, sit and wait, and mm -hmm. try to keep yourself occupied and watch people running around you going crazy over this and that. And you don't really know what the emergencies are. It's just a, I don't know. I just think back, I can even smell the hospital when I think about it. Yeah, yeah. right. Well, you know, my wife has this great phrase, the vision thing, right? And so you have this mm -hmm. image of what your life should be like. And oftentimes it doesn't quite work that way. Like your dad was terminally yeah. ill. That's not how you want to experience your childhood. And, you know, mm -hmm. when your baby's born and surprise has all these internal organ defects, yeah. life-threatening conditions, that also you didn't think your life would be that way. Yeah. Uh, and it takes a moment to adjust, right? Mm -hmm. and, and if you kind of have the right outlook, you can still kind of, you know, you can live very fully. It's not like, mm -hmm. you know, your life is ruined, but you do have to adjust. And mm -hmm. that's what I learned from these kids, you know, because I had a lot of struggles as a kid. I had encephalitis as a small kid. And wow. That left me devastated, like really bad neurological problems. And then I got a degenerative condition. That's a long story too. Uh, but nonetheless, you know, I you know, still had to live. And, and I kind of didn't live as fully as I perhaps could have because I kind of was caught up in thinking that things should be different. And these mm -hmm. kids didn't think that way. And that was really a learning experience for me. Wow. Like he, he never spent any time thinking, oh, my God, why did I get hearing loss, you know, um, mm -hmm. yeah. so focused on enjoying each moment. And that's something that, you know, I think everybody could benefit from because we all, you know, you don't have to be saddled with some terrible disability 
to feel this way to a degree, right? Uh, you look mm -hmm. around the world and think, why does it go so well for that person and not for me? Mm -hmm. But they're, they're overwhelmed too. There's something they're struggling with that you don't know about, right? And so everyone's a little bit overwhelmed and their life mm -hmm. isn't quite the way they like it to be. Uh, so really, you know, seeing these kids and how they grapple with their problems can help you pull yourself out of that, I think. I mean, that was kind mm -hmm. of, yeah, because it helped me. I, I really agree. Mm -hmm. I agree. Mm -hmm. You know, we lived in uh, Kenya and South Africa for many years and you go mm -hmm. out to the, the townships and yes, very people are living in squalor, according to us westernized people. Mm -hmm. yeah. You go out there mm -hmm. and there <clears throat> definitely poverty. But kids are playing with whatever they have to play with. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Smiling, laughing. They may mm -hmm. not be able to have food that night and maybe have to wait till the next day. But they're still laughing, even while their bellies are mm -hmm. grumbling. You know, they're so we so, kind of always yeah. had that around us. And there's a real resilience. And let's play. And we forget. I think our world is so fast paced. And I think COVID kind of also shook us a little bit. But I kind of see it all going right back to where it was. Mm -hmm. You know, that we want to have some, we want to have a good time, you know, and we forget because we just go in this big, fast paced thing. And I love that you wrote these notes and wrote things down because I think we move so fast that we do forget all those little treasure moments. Mm -hmm. You know, those, those little, I mean, like yesterday, Nancy and I just took off and sat and played with dogs in a pond and played with beaches so and fun. frogs and <laughs> We were just like suddenly became kids and, you know, yeah. we pets it as we travel and I texted the, the pet parents. We we're very right. cool people. And he goes, steal the day like it's mm -hmm. yours, you uh -huh. know, steal it, steal mm -hmm. that moment. I said, we're having a hard time going to work here. This is too cool out here. He's like, do it, do it. And we did. And I think those are those moments where we have to, as no matter what age we are, mm -hmm. when you have, when you can find those little nuggets of joy, go for it. You know, mm -hmm. well, well, there's so, I yeah. there's so much of what we do that we think we have to do, and you really don't. Mm -hmm. You know, we make things, small things, into big, important things, and they're not. You know, when something else comes along in life to shake you up, then you start to reevaluate and you see <laughs> you wasted so much time doing these so important things that really on the scale of life aren't important. Well, things that take you outside of the ordinary, right? That derail mm -hmm. your life to a degree, oftentimes open up other opportunities really, right? Mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. like his illness kept us from a lot of ordinary kid life. So we had to kind of explore and find other things, you know, like mm -hmm. we discovered the neighborhood. We got to know all the people in the shops you know, and cool. the librarians cool. and the, the guys in the auto department, the auto shops would, you know, invite us in and they'd show them how all the stuff works, you know, and because uh, he had to, you know, sometimes he had a, he had a little bit of a residual cough after he had a cold and you couldn't go anywhere where kids were, right? So you yeah. could find this other world and it was great, you know, it was very stimulating, you know, he wasn't like in enrichment programs or camps, you know, because of it, mm -hmm. but then we discovered all this other stuff and you can really wow. embrace that. 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? 
not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess, for elite athletes only, right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. That's cool. That is cool. Yeah, because you're dealt the hand that you're dealt. Mm-hmm. It's what you do with those cards, mm-hmm. you know? Yep. Yeah, you could either fold or let's go for it, you know? And yeah. kids do teach us that. You know, kids mm-hmm. and dogs have that. And it's, I'm not saying, you know, but that's true. Like yesterday, we were talking about that and we knew you were coming on the show. And we were like, let's play with leeches. This is cool. And frogs, like kids do that. Kids remind you to enjoy these little beauties of the world and to not just mm-hmm. like, it doesn't, you don't have to go to Disneyland to have a good time. Sorry, well, Disneyland. No. And now kids are in enrichment programs so early in sports, very early. They're in very structured activities and they lose this to a degree. There's something to just like experiencing things freely, right? And discovering things on your own, which is really mm-hmm. great for kids, I find, you know, yeah. and, uh, because they, they, their minds crackle, right? They see a frog jumping along. I mean, it's not quite as, you know, they aren't like being told by a coach to do this particular thing in this particular way. And so their mm-hmm. mind is working freely right and discovering on its own and i think that's a that's a special human thing right i think they're very observant as opposed to being told do this do that when you're out on your own if you can get yourself out of adult mode yeah um, then you start to see things like sometimes i think it's really cool if you just get on your hands and knees and walk through the forest on hands yeah. <laughs> because then you can see my mother is so normal <laughs> i know <laughs> well because then you can see things under leaves on the, oh. the forest floor that you would normally just walk over right right yeah so i think it's a valuable thing to walk through the forest on your hands and knees we've done oh, kind right. of yeah <laughs> risk getting dirty you know kids yeah like, they like exploring the dirt i remember some you know, some moms used to tisk because I let them jump in the leaves or they'd be digging in the backyard and like, what are you going to yeah. do? Those, those clothes are getting so dirty. It's like, well, we can wash so, them. <laughs> that's yeah. exactly, exactly it. You have washing so machines for that or yeah, just, you that's, know. Yeah. It's only clothes. Well, that's the thing about getting kids, you know, I had a friend, um, she had, a, you know, she had her first child and my other friend had his first child and he was off to visit her and she was taking the kid out it was like the kid wanted to crawl in the dirt outside she picked him up and put put the child to crawl on the carpet because she thought it was safer and he's like well he's he's a you know he's like a let's hike and let's do all this stuff he's like put your kid in the dirt get it off the carpet it's the worst thing for it you know yeah so there's that over we also become overprotective and that's kind of what I wanted to go with um even just the very beginning you you know when you say you're in someone's you know the fly in someone's mind Mm-hmm. you talk about that back and forth do you let him go for it do you pull him back in you know because I think that's got to be one of the hardest things for a parent and and that's what I the fun master is such a brilliant title for so mm-hmm. many different way I mean there's so you can take so many different you as you read the book it, it can it's it's a perfect title it is mm-hmm. absolutely perfect mm-hmm. because you could take it in so many different ways but part of it to me is like that balance of parenting is you want your kids to be free and mm-hmm. dance like there's no one watching, but you can't always do it because they may be dancing into the street and, you know, there's cars. 
Yeah. So there's that balance. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, it was difficult. I mean, the, the book is kind of a tragedy, like in an ancient mm -hmm. Greek in a way, because we're all about connection, you know, and we kind of conveyed this to our kids and people would come by like we weren't busy cleaning, you know, and organizing and we let bills go unpaid because people would come by and we would like talk to them and, you know, spend our time with them. And, you know, these people show up at the beach and unexpectedly, and we weren't planning on going swimming. And it's hard for us to say no, you know, and one thing mm -hmm. led to another. We didn't have a chance to talk about safety precautions. You know, usually we were very careful about these things, but, but there they are. And it's kind of like hard. Mm -hmm. So that's our fatal flaw. You know, the connection, our desire for connection is a good thing. It's a positive thing but it's also our fatal flaw, right? Because we well, like, we're, herd, yeah, we're herd animals. Yeah. You know, we're not loners. I mean, there are some that are loners yeah. and they're, they're the few, really. We are herd animals. We're meant to be social. We're meant to, to get together, mm -hmm. you know? And I think that's our learning process because you learn from each other. Well, and the irony too, part of the story of the book is how I became a less rigid person. Right. right. Like I had my I controlled every aspect of my life because of these neurological problems I had. And I learned mm -hmm. to live more freely and be more flexible. But then, of course, mm -hmm. here we are the last day, his last day. And it's like we were going to go play miniature golf. Like the mm -hmm. formerly rigid Jeff would have said, no, we're going to stick to miniature golf. Right. But I was like, he really wanted to go and wanted to, you know. And so I went swimming with him and he didn't mm -hmm. come back. You know, it's well, one of those yeah. things. And of course, partly it's like, one of the things that's not discussed in the book is someone kind of studied the beach conditions and, and he said, you know, when you came into that little spot with him, he was doomed, right? It was just a kind of an area of extreme turbulence. Nonetheless, mm -hmm. we put him in that circumstance, you know, and you see how, you know, conditioned, how it developed, right, very quickly that day. That was the point mm -hmm. of the chapter to show you how precarious life is, like from one moment. Right, to exactly. He's mm -hmm. gone, I mean, you know, in a and, second, yeah. no, it's not planned, you know what right. I mean? Yeah. And how do you move forward? I mean, that is something also very important about your book is the moving forward aspect is very, very difficult. Mm -hmm. I know um, even Nancy, when, when she lost her brother, she lost her, your brother and your best friend within six mm -hmm. months. Yeah. And one was expected mm -hmm. from cancer and the other was a shooting that happened. Oh. Yeah. And mm -hmm. um, so Nancy was kind of just out not of in the, she, yeah, she was out <laughs> of it for a while and yeah, you can't you can't force people out of grief, you, you, you know, especially, you know, just we couldn't. And I remember planning a big surprise party for her yeah. uh, for her birthday. <laughs> and boy, did I get in trouble for that. And then, but at the <laughs> same so time, <laughs> but at the same time, I saw her, you know, she couldn't be rude to all her friends there. Yeah. And, no, so next, you know, I saw her smiling and laughing and yeah. having a good time. And there was a band playing music. I mean, so it it did it, no, it you had to kind thing. of i had to do a, what we call a pattern interrupt yes. our friend bobby deporter is an educator always says that there's a pattern interrupt and we've mm -hmm. learned that um that's important and it seems like that has to happen too to move forward mm -hmm. yeah well we threw ourselves into grief first of all like mm -hmm. and uh we were surrounded by people who really helped a lot you know and kind of grieved with us and and that helped a lot and then you know, of course, our daughter kind of helped pull us out a little bit. We just had to go and function, you know, like mm -hmm. shortly died when he was younger. I hosted a big party for all the preschool classes as a stay-at-home dad. It was a way for me to meet parents and them to see our home <laughs> kind of outreach program. But uh, we did it for her, too, you know, because mm -hmm. we kind of owed that to her. It was a really tough thing to do. But but then writing the book really helped me a lot because 
it was kind of like channeling. Like I was re-experiencing all of this while I was writing it. And eventually I had to face the ending. You know, originally I wrote a, the final chapter was a Greek tragedy. <laughs> it was a little bit of avoidance behavior, you know, and, but finally facing it, it was so hard writing about his death. It took me a long time mm -hmm. to do it. I would just collapse, you know, I imagine. words and, and actually writing it. And now I can, having done that, I can kind of read it and, you know, I can kind of like, move forward, you know, it's kind of the writing book helped me, you know. Yeah, I think it's a process that, um, and that everybody's going to handle death of, of loved ones in their own way. Yeah. And it's a, I look at it now as a learning. Mm -hmm. You learn so much more than about the, the people who have passed because you think about them in, on a different level, mm -hmm. like little things you notice, but let that slip by, then you, when you revisit those memories, you're like, oh man, like with my brother, he was a gymnast. And now when I think back, I see different um, body language mm -hmm. that um, he used to just like, if we were somewhere, all of a sudden he'd be flipping and doing double flips and, and you know, it just out of the blue, there he would go. And you're like, it's like a monkey. You know, I was like, what are you doing? And then when I think back now, I could, I can remember now there was a look in his eye and I'm like, oh, he's going to do it. And there you go. And there are things that you notice about people, but somehow um, when they're still with you, that's on the back shelf. When they're still, I believe they're still with you when they pass, but you're just in a different phase and you remember things, more personal things closer. Well, I think, yeah, you know? I think what you said is very important, Nancy, that, you know, we're here to learn. Uh, and mm -hmm. I think that these, these deaths of people, uh, when they're younger, right, they mm -hmm. tend to be the people we need most, right? They were so mm -hmm. important in so many people's lives. And, and it's kind of a, you know, this sounds terrible, but I think like, we need to learn something, you know, their passing is teaching us something, right? Mm -hmm. They get a lesson for us. And, you know, we need to kind of discern what that lesson is. Like if they were still here, that would be great, but we might not be learning as much because we relied so much on them for certain mm -hmm. things, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and we do that ourselves, you know, without them. And uh, so I'm not sure. Oh, that's, a, that's a reality. Yeah, and I yeah. think there's things we know, but we don't want, we don't have, we're not ready to face. Mm -hmm. And eventually yeah. you have to face. And I think when somebody close to you passes, that that's part of now you're gonna face parts of yourself uh -huh. that, you know, you, you just like, how strong are you? How do you handle this? There's these abilities that just kind of lie there mm -hmm. that you don't use mm -hmm. until something pushes you into it. Right, yeah. You know, it's, yeah. It's, I don't I know if I'm know. saying it right, but. <laughs> I don't know, I understand exactly. You know, you need to kind of, it's, you, you know, you can't rely on these people to provide that for you. So you kind of need to find it yourself, right? Mm -hmm. And yeah. that kind of helps you grow. 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess, for elite athletes only 
right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess, for elite athletes only, right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. And, Mm -hmm. you know, if you were asked to choose, you'd probably say, I'd rather not grow. I'd rather have them. Right. Oh, yeah. 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 The fact is they aren't there. So it causes it forces you to grow. And that's good, too. I mean, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, why why else are we here? We're here to Mm -hmm. develop. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Do do you see, I mean, on that level of of learning and discussion, because grief can be also very solitary. And Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're a single parent, that would have been really hard. Like, I I think that would be just I mean it's devastating already but I mean like mm-hmm. it would I think for a single parent if they lost their a young child it would be it'd be crushing and through your book and through discussion I know that there's you know therapy groups and things like that which are important too but do you see doing like a, a book club kind of thing where people can talk with you and I don't know have that kind of connection from your yeah. book yeah, I would love to do that, really. Uh, we participated in grief groups, you know, for quite a few years, and people have different styles of grieving, and, you know, some mm. people are separated by it, like my wife and I fortunately have the same same style. You know, we don't okay. deny the loss, and we share it, and, you know, we are still saddened by it. Uh, mm-hmm. So I would really welcome that, because I think that it, it helps people a lot, and it helps me to be able to talk mm-hmm. with people. Like, you know, if you've experienced something like this, you're, you're, you're kind of in a special fraternity, right? Like you, you're been affected mm-hmm. by life in a certain way that other people don't understand. I remember when he first died, we were at a nice mass and we were outside and I looked over and a couple of people were laughing. They noticed I was looking at them and they became embarrassed, but they shouldn't have been embarrassed mm-hmm. because they live in a different world than I do, right? Like I don't expect them to feel the same way I do, right? I've been pulled mm-hmm. out of that life that they had right there, right? I wasn't able to participate in them right then. So people have had these losses understand each other in a, in a deep mm. way. And so talking with them is a really great thing. And people helped us a lot. And I would love to help other people by talking about their losses. I think yeah. it would be a good mm. movie yeah. too. Oh, okay. Yeah, like a documentary kind of. Mm-hmm. I see it going that in that be. direction. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's a great yeah. idea. Yeah. yeah. So get on it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think, it's, I think it's really, really helpful because... Um, when you lose somebody that's really close, mm-hmm. you kind of flounder and yeah. and direction um, that is is meant well helps a lot. You know, it really yeah. does help you get through things. And then you know, as as you get, oh, I'm going to say this wrong, not if you get used to the loss or you learn to live with it. Let me put it that way: yeah. you learn yeah. to live, yeah, with the loss. Then you start to appreciate the things you you put in the back of your mind about the person. And then um, you, I, I don't know, I just somehow 
even though things aren't your fault, feel there's a guilt. Mm -hmm. Like you always yeah. feel like you should have done something and you can't. Yeah. And you know, there's and it, that finally does you you get it into perspective where you realize there's nothing you could have done. It wasn't your fault. That that kind of thing, you know. Well, it doesn't mean that you don't love them still. And it no, doesn't it doesn't. Mean that the loss isn't there, but the yeah. fact that when it first happens, you're you're going around without skin, right? Yeah, right. And you know, over time, you develop skin. I mean, mm -hmm. and you can't, you shouldn't apologize for that. You know, like yeah. I, uh, even recently, I still would be, I'm always a little bit distracted, you know, it kind of like I'm not mm -hmm. fully myself. And I don't mm -hmm. apologize for that. When people lose someone, like a friend whose son died suddenly, and I came right up to her and I said, you know, you're disabled now, right? Mm -hmm. And you just have to learn to accept that. You learn to live with the disability, mm -hmm. but you are kind of disabled. You won't ever be the same. And she found that helpful. Because yeah. you feel you know, bad about not being herself, right? But and this this is huge because people can shut themselves off. And that's what I was saying, like a single parent. It's so mm -hmm. easy to play the blame game and then to mm -hmm. shut off because you don't know how to be around people. How are you expected? You, you know, it's and it's the same thing. And you know also about cancer too in, in your family. And, you know, you'll have a friend who suddenly has cancer and, and you, what do you say? What do you do? Yeah. People who've been around it kind of get it. And, and I think it's mm -hmm. so important that people need to know that they're not alone. It's not just you. It's not one of those things, well, you'll never understand. It's never, you know, because that just puts you into the victim mode, you know, and that's not, you got to get out of that. Well, you I admire, know? Yeah, I admire my wife so much because she'd started a new job right before he died, right? Wow. So here she is, all these new colleagues. And she sent mm -hmm. she was coming back to work after having a leave and said, I know I'm coming back and you're going to be uncomfortable around me. Uh, here's what you should do, right? Oh, wow. It was helpful to people because they yeah. just don't know what to do, right? Yeah. They're just frozen. They aren't bad mm -hmm. people, but you know, you just start terrified of saying the wrong thing. And, and of course, some mm -hmm. people aren't terrified and they do say the wrong thing. Yes. <laughs> good if they this knew is what true. Say, this right? is exactly. true. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, yeah. yeah. See, I some just make a joke really, out of everything and that's so, terrible. Some <laughs> people terrible. really do say the stupidest things to yeah. you that really are you And it's, yeah. and the, the, I think they're so nervous about what to say that they say, yeah. they meant to say this, but they said that. Right. Yeah. No, and, we have to sympathize with them, you know? Yeah. 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 And they, then they're forever mortified. They can't even look at you, you know? Yeah. Right. And so you want to reassure uh, them, but you know, the fact is you can't, you're not going to tell them and that you're okay. Right. Like it takes a long time to say you're okay. People will be nervous. You know? So you're okay now. Well, no, I mean, <laughs> we're functioning. Yeah. We're functioning, yeah. but you know, yeah. you're, you're not okay. Really. You and know, laughter is good. Yeah, that's, you know, that's... My, my brother and I were at a funeral with my aunt and um, my uncle had passed away and <laughs> I still laugh at it. Her hat flew off and went into the grave. I'm all standing around the grave. <laughs> just as <laughs> the hat flew onto the coffin, I threw a shovel of dirt on it and my brother and I lost it because we thought that was the funniest thing. And then like, who's going to get it? Yeah. yeah, we looked at her and we realized, and everybody's staring at us. Yeah, right. we realized this is funny. And then she started to laugh, and then everybody started laughing. So it was right. a good thing. Right. But at right. first, we thought, oh my gosh, what have we done? You know, because we're, <laughs> but well, I still think like it's funny. Yeah, yeah. No. right. It was yeah. funny. 
Yeah, you I have mean, to have people, laughter. people have gotten better about grief. I think there's more honesty mm -hmm. about it, which is good. I mean, I think when people live a more honest life and uh, you know embrace their feelings, uh, that that has some value because it helps other people. Mm -hmm. They they're suffering in silence. You know, they they don't know, yeah. and. So I'd be glad to talk to people. I think that would be great. I think doing a book club with your book is that would be awesome. awesome. I think okay. awesome. You know, really, it's, and it's and it's something that you know. Also, you, coming from the father perspective, but also the stay-at-home dad. Yeah. that's a whole other deal. I mean, remember, yeah. Mister Mom? Yeah. The movie, Mister. You've got to have watched that. I was like, as soon as I was like, he had to have watched Mister Mom. But we're seeing more and more dads, stay-at-home dads. In fact, we we know a musician mm -hmm. um, in Sweden. Okay. And he, he became, uh, he, because when, when, you know, a family has a, a new baby, right. both parents get to, to stay home yeah. and take leave, you know, which is really nice, but he stayed at home with the kids uh -huh. and he's like, well, this is cool. I can do my music. I can play with my kids, you know, but he really loved it and, and learned all these things about himself and mm. patience and all kinds. And, you know, he, um, he loves it. He, he loves yeah. being the stay-at-home dad. I think formerly men didn't quite realize how difficult it is taking care of a kid, you know? Oh, yeah. Now, now more men do it mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, they have a better sense of it. It's a changed world, really. Mm -hmm. um, I, I did it in 2000 to 2010, and there were like no guys around. And then after the Great Recession in 2009, suddenly there were a lot, right? Because they yeah. did a lot of work. And, but now it's more common because people work from home more. You know, mm -hmm. they can balance it with their jobs, which is generally great. I mean, I think it's good to have contact mm -hmm. with people. My wife likes going to the office a couple of days a week, three days a week, because it's enriching to be with your colleagues, you know, but it's also nice to be home where, you know, you can go pick them up at five o'clock. And mm -hmm. so that's, I think it's a positive development, really, you know. And, that's awesome. Uh, well, the understanding between, you know, mom and dad is better. Yeah. Because now you can relate to what, uh, especially... Like a working mom, that's really hard. Yeah, no, it is. That's really, really hard. <laughs> so, you know, and I work too, right? Yeah. And mm -hmm. <laughs> oftentimes, yeah, no, no. Oh, yeah. It, it was a great experience for me. Uh, it really helped me grow and, and develop other parts of myself, as you pointed out, Nancy. Mm -hmm. I do, right? And uh, it became kind of, I became a different person because of it, you know, mm -hmm. and I became a lot, lot better, right? Mm -hmm. I realized mm -hmm. I can. I can do hard things, right? I don't have to control my day because as a parent, you know, parent, you have no control over your day. <laughs> exactly. Control over anything. You're a carpooler. You forget to do things because yeah. there's always something urgent that yeah. just crops up. There's something urgent. You're supposed to do this, like pay a bill or something and right. uh, whatever. And you, but, you have to do that. And then you're exhausted. Oh, so there's a bake like, sale. Yeah, <laughs> the bake sale, or or you have to do the math project, and you go, I can't remember math. What are you doing to me? What's what? Algebra. During COVID, I felt so bad, and I think they said the stats went up of parents drinking more wine because oh, yeah. of their kids homeschooling kids. Suddenly, the wine sales went up because it's like, what? What do you mean I have to help with trigonometry? What are you talking about? I don't even know how to spell it anymore. You know, so it's kind yeah. of this changeover. Uh, what you did is it, it's it's that's cool though I think it's cool you know getting to learn and I don't know going it's kids make you young again mm -hmm. they do right yeah well you sometimes know? they make you old 
Don't look at me, Nancy. I am looking at you. It can be very tiring. It is very Mm -hmm. tiring, you know, and Mm -hmm. you put it's it can be kind of monotonous, you know, and like I played store once, this is before we had kids. My wife and I were laughing about this. Like I always played with nieces and nephews and there's a beautiful day at this summer cottage. And like, I'm in the basement with our nieces playing store for four yeah. hours. They sold oh the gosh. same stuff over and over. <laughs> oh, Jeff, I'm going to sell you this, right? Like, you know, you can try and pretend you're excited, but it kind of wears you out, you know, it can be. Lisa uh, used to lovely. play waitress. It's beautiful, uh, but it's also kind of like, it's hard, you know, it takes yeah. a little bit of well, Lisa used to play waitress and I got her a little order form book and I'm like, oh God, why don't you do that? And she'd just stand there and like, okay, what will you have? And she'd write it down and then 10 minutes later, ripped out. Okay, what will you have? I'm like, oh, geez. Yeah, well, it's very endearing though. It's, it's wonderful, yeah. Yeah, you built me, she built me a little, um, this is in Kenya. She built me a restaurant like out of you know like this old wood and everything they okay. painted characters on it the termites ate it and yeah. so one day you walk out they're gone i mean you're in africa with really big flying ants and termites. yeah they okay. ate it they, they that was it, it. Like, and i'm like mommy mommy my restaurant is gone <laughs> so it was like a life lesson right there i was like well there it is that's, that's, your restaurant is like, closed oh. and nancy's like that's that's business <laughs> <laughs> That's how business works. Mom is saved, but <laughs> I know. And she's like, oh, I don't have to do that anymore. Thank God. <laughs> yeah, I didn't do it. I promise. But, I but do want to ask that yeah, your yeah. writing, your writing is so good. Um, mm. and, and again, obviously, this is a, you know, it there's therapy in it. There's um, you know, it's touching, very, very touching book. Um, but you're very reality-based too. And I think that's a really amazing quality that you have. But as a writer, for us to connect immediately, uh, it's amazing because I was reading that you've written all these things I don't even know how to pronounce or, you know, <laughs> you know, it's, you're, you're one of the, you're a smart person. You're one of the smart people yes. that wrote a touching book. But I mean, you've got the smarty smarts. You know? <laughs> so how did you go from the smarty smarts to to that? I mean, that's two different writing styles. Yeah, the thing is, as an academic, I was a little bit of an outsider. That's a smarty smart. -hmm. It's a good thing in some ways. Uh, One of my professors said to me, you know, uh, you're a generalist, but in academia, Mm. we're specialists. And it was a critical comment, but he was right. I was a generalist. I would jump from Mm. thing to thing as my mind would find things interesting. And and I think that helped me write this book, right? Because I'd had such a broad experience. I wasn't a very narrow specialist. And, And the people I studied with, and the people that I read, the books that I worked, the people I worked on, thinkers, they were all great writers, right? And so that helped me a lot. Like I translated a couple of books by this guy named Carl Schmidt, and he uh, was a fabulous writer. He was a lawyer, he was a legal theorist, but he was a fabulous writer. And so I was kind of inspired by that. You know, I, I thought that you could still be, a, you know, an entertaining writer when you're talking about a serious subject. Mm. Uh, Nonetheless, it took me, I had to retool because this is kind of writing this memoir. I wrote it as kind of a novel, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe that's why it kind of it's so has readable. this connection. Yeah, it's so, right. yet reality. That's that's a good, sorry, the dogs got excited. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason why I did it that way was like, I didn't want to kind of, I was worried about um, kind of um, painting a too rosy picture of myself, right? I wanted, I didn't want to write a hero memoir, dad memoir right, where I'm talking, writing wisdom to people. I wanted to show myself warts and all, 
And so I thought this kind of form was the best way to do that because a lot of novels, like people would say this to me, copy editors would say, well, you really ought to speak from your contemporary experience looking back and you know what you've learned. And I didn't want to do that because I thought I might do a little bit of spin control, right? I might you know, go back and try and justify the way I was before because I wasn't completely proud of what I was originally. You know, I was kind of self-involved and impatient and, you know, anger prone. And uh, so I wanted to really get the reader back into how I experienced things so they could really see how I changed, right? And I thought this was the best way to do it. Um, yeah. Novel, where they did actually uh, it, it, what I experienced, you know? Yeah, it is. It is like, you know, when I say about the fly in the mind, then it's also the soul, you know? Yeah, right because you're balancing that that reality and i think that's a really that's a good talent to have you know well, so it's such well, a personal story that um you know you're i think you did a marvelous job because mm -hmm. I, I think I, it's really hard to write what you wrote i really do appreciate what mm -hmm. you've written well one advantage in terms of academia that helped me too is that the type of philosophy i studied was really about how humans experience the world and how they change, mm. right? Like the German term mm. Geist, spirit, is more like not your soul in a religious sense, but like what you are as a person and how you develop and change. And so mm. that kind of helped me a lot. Like I kind mm. of, when I became a stay-at-home dad, I kind of was thinking in those terms, you know, seeing other people and trying to understand how they became the way they were. Because oftentimes they were kind of difficult, you know, they can be kind of hard to, to work with, you know, in some ways. And then, but you could understand like the mm. world they lived in right and mm. like why they behave that way and then learn how to like work with them better so that was yeah. kind of stimulating for me as it's you know like it got my mind working you know in a new way right and actually being with people so um yeah i think you should write more i, I really yes. really want more yeah, i think well, you should write more i am writing mm -hmm. a book about uh like you know all sorts of people like uh, philosophers and theologians and physicists and brain oh, neuroscientists okay. are coming together cool. and seeing like, you know, uh, you know, the, they all are agreeing about happiness, right? And all the different mm. things that make us happy. So I want to write a book about the a spiritual life drawing from mm. all of these, not a spiritual cool. life in a narrow religious sense, but like how you approach your life uh, so mm -hmm. you can more fully, right? And, and more enriched life. Um, so it's kind of like a continuation of this book, but more philosophical. Cool. That's right. a perfect balance. Yeah, mm -hmm. I love it. Yeah. So if you could spend a day just to pick the brain of one person in history oh, for wow. that, who would it be? Yeah. I mean, even even mm. even to see how they like to have fun, going back to being the fun master, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I really liked it. I would think it would be like uh, this French philosopher Rousseau. Uh, uh -huh. Because like everyone in his time thought, well, human beings are selfish and self-centered, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and they say develop these things like the state of nature where everyone is kind of like, you know, they're pitted against each other. And he said, well, you know, maybe human beings weren't originally selfish. Like they became selfish over time, you know, mm -hmm. like when people started to worry about property, like you said, like in Kenya, mm -hmm. they didn't have anything and they could still be happy, right? right. They didn't have anything. So he kind of reimagined history, right? To show mm -hmm. how human beings aren't by nature selfish, they're actually compassionate and loving, but like they were made to be selfish over time. So maybe we can change them again. And so I'd like to talk to him because I like that imaginative approach to human beings because it was kind of, it was hopeful, right? Like that's going to say, say mm. and that's something that right now I think the world needs. Yeah, there's so much arrogance and ego and greed and anger and 
we start to think what is wrong with mm. people, right? Well, and it's closing it, yourself off, like exactly between neighbors. Yeah, like, this, yeah. I mean, look at it, the way yeah. politics now. You know, it's it's it, the yeah. compassion is. You, you, when you think of the world, you start to think there's nothing good out there, but that's not true. I can tell you yeah. from us traveling, oh, we're meeting people yeah. of all yeah. kinds yeah. every yeah. single day that we're somewhere new mm -hmm. and seeing that compassion. I mean, I was at the grocery store the other day here in, in Connecticut, where we are right now recording this. And I was putting, you know, putting my groceries in the paper bag. And of course, I'm really not good at that. And I had my mask on <laughs> and I, I was like, I'm going to sneeze and I'm trying to do <laughs> trying to pack this bag and it pulled, it okay. just toppled over. And two people, one on either side of me, came running and helped me put my things back in the bag. And I thought, yeah, wow, Connecticut is friendly. They wouldn't do that yeah. in certain places, but it, it reminded me that we really do still have compassion in this world. Yeah. So yes, I think that's um, I was I was in shock, literally, like that that yeah. happened. Huh. And you have to kind of make take that chance yourself, right? If everybody would take that chance, then we would start to grow together more. Like mm -hmm. I find myself bracing myself in traffic and it's like, well, I'm making it worse, right? Mm -hmm. like being tense. Yeah. And mm -hmm. it's a hard thing to get away from because you, if people are, you know, you have a bad experience with someone, you immediately turn and like, you know, you're angry and that kind of passes it on. It's hard to break yeah. that chain, right? Mm -hmm. Right, that reactionary chain. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. So you have yeah. to no, you got to turn the music yeah. up when that traffic jam happens <laughs> and start dancing and, and put on a show. That's what you yeah. Get out of the car and dance around. I know. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Chinese fire drill. That's it. Yeah, we used to do that. That's fun. That's fun. But Jeff, yeah. it has been such a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you for joining us. Everyone, yeah. again, The Fun Master comes out August 16th, 2022, but you can go to Jeff's website. It's Jeffrey, and that's J-E-F-F-R-E-Y, because you never know. It could be G-E-O, <laughs> but it's not. Uh, so JeffreySeitzer.com, and that's S-E-I-T-Z-E-R. See, I can spell, so I'm doing good today. Uh, yeah. Of course, we want to thank Books Forward as well, and of course, keep up with us at BigBlendRadio.com. We do our writers, books, and authors show every second Wednesday. Thanks so much, Jeff. Oh, thank Thanks, you. Jeff. Thank you, everyone. Have a great day. And the Thanks. dogs say goodbye, too. Yeah, they do. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> oh, boy. Ma'am. <laughs>